today on The Travel Guys. In the travel news, a woman is arrested in Sydney after arriving on a plane from Los Angeles with a golden gun in her luggage. And spring flooding has closed most of Yosemite National Park. Those stories and more next in the news. Do some flight attendants have a bit of an attitude while at work? Well, maybe it could be the behavior of the passengers which contributes to that. We talk about the games people play with flight attendants and why it's a bad idea in our Smarter Traveler segment at 320. Is inflation impacting your travel decisions this summer? Or is it just ridiculous greedy prices that have little to do with inflation? Plus, more and more people who know say choose a secondary destination for your vacation this year. We tackle those two stories at 335. Mark returned home last night from his journey on Route 66. The historic highway celebrates its centennial in 2026, and we have some more Route 66 travel tips at 350. Thanks for joining us. Our goal is to make you a smarter traveler. We are Travel Welcome, welcome everyone to another edition of the Travel and Entertainment Guys, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano here, your hosts, and you can find all the information you want about the Travel Guys, including links to special guests and more at TravelGuysRadio.com. Well, uh, good morning, Mark. I know uh, this is the afternoon Travel Guys radio show that just started Uh at 3 o'clock, but uh, as Mark always calls it, with full disclosure... Uh-huh. Uh, our program is pre-taped. It is today. this morning. We we taped it Sunday morning, so now we come on at three o'clock, which is about the time that this uh, sporting event in Sacramento. I hear there's something going on downtown today, and you have some tickets for it. So that's why you're not available at to to do the show live at three o'clock. On yeah, Sunday. that's why I'm not here, but I'm here, and I'm yeah. not here. Yeah, yeah, I'm a, a half a season ticket holder. Okay. I've been a quarter, okay. and I've been a full, and I'm, I'm now a half. And uh, we had an opportunity to get tickets cheap before cheaper <laughs> uh, <laughs> when they first came on sale. So, so some of the folks who are listening to this program will know that the outcome of the game, yes, which because we're taping it on this uh, a few hours before the game starts on Sunday morning, we don't know yet who will win. What arguably is. The biggest sporting event that I can't think of anything it's ever... You know, in the old days, we had this thing called the Pig Bowl in town, mm-hmm. where the sheriffs and the police squared off against each other and had a football game once a year, and it was a huge fundraiser. And that was a big hit, drew big crowds. But uh, dare I say, uh, with the Kings earlier in the century, in this earlier in the century, that's how you talk about the Kings, um, this uh, what what occurred today in Sacramento is arguably the biggest day for sports fans ever coming home from phoenix last night on the airplane people were um talking loudly about (laughs) about the game tonight i've never heard that ever happened before well you know um this could be the start of something even bigger i mean we're here again we don't know what the results are i'm there cheering the team to victory i i certainly hope and if we get past this game seven 
there are more games in the future. And so we're going to have, hopefully, a series of these kind of next game is the biggest game that Sacramento has seen. Yep. And then the next that game, be- that's how it's kind of been so far in the series. When we went to the first game, okay, mm-hmm. the first time in 17 years that we've had it we've been in the playoffs and then we were we were the third seed so that that was a first and then uh we came back and after losing two to the warriors and and beat them on their floor the first time we've done that and then and then then there is today so you know uh if you know the outcome don't tell me oh no wait <laughs> <laughs> you're you're and, not really here. Anyways, yes, all of this craziness <laughs> because we taped the travel guys Sunday morning so Tom could go to the Kings game. So there you right. there you have it. I'll report back a week from today uh, as to what that was like. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. In the meantime, let's see what do we do. At the, I guess we're ready. Are we, Mark? We are. All right. At the top of every Travel Guys radio show, we bring you up to date on what's been going on in the travel news. And with the travel news, as always, here's Mark. This is a really interesting story, which raises way more questions than it answers. The CNN headline says U.S. woman arrested in Sydney after airport staff find a golden gun in her luggage. Uh, She was arrested after arriving on a flight from Los Angeles. She had a 24-carat gold-plated handgun packed in her luggage. 28-year-old woman did not hold a permit to import or possess a firearm in Australia. Australia has some of the world's toughest, and uh, the woman was not identified. She appeared in a local court uh, last Monday, received bail. Um, This story is interesting because it says she came from Los Angeles. She had a gun in her suitcase. Now, wouldn't we have thought that the TSA would have intercepted that perhaps? You would on think its way out of the country. It would, you would think, wouldn't it uh, show up on the on the scanner? It was in her suitcase. It wasn't a carry on. It was. Um, there is a picture of it here. I didn't put a link, but I'm sure that you could find it online if you put uh, Golden Gun Sydney Airport. It would come up. But uh, just kind of inter- like I said, it, it raises a lot of questions as to how did this lady's gun in her luggage get onto the airplane in the first place? Then, of course, the next question is. What the heck is she doing with a 24-carat gold-plated gun? She, and, I, I know the answer. Okay. She is she is Jane Bond. <laughs> Jane, I, I thought of that, the old Goldfinger thing. Yeah, 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 sure. Uh, James Bond, I think, most of the time had a gold-plated gun. You, you think so? Could be. All right. Anyways, we will follow up and see what we can find out about the lady with the golden gun <laughs> that went to Australia. U.S. travel and tourism sector is on track to surpass 2019's record highs. Uh, it looks like that the the sector, the travel sector, is going to contribute more to the U.S. economy this year by about uh, a tenth of a trillion dollars, which is way more zeros than I'm capable of comprehending, but. Anyways, it would it would re- represent a full recovery from COVID and take us back to what people would have expected to see in 2020 had there not been uh, this little pandemic roaming around the planet. 
So it's going to be busy this summer. If you're going to travel, you thought last summer was busy. We're going to talk a little bit more about that um, after the bottom of the hour, maybe try to give you some some hints on some things that might help you make some travel decisions. But uh, it looks like that at least popular places are going to be really, really packed this summer. Here's something kind of funny um, from CNN Travel, an Italian tourism video. Um, the Italians are getting ridiculed because they created this lovely video promoting Italy. Coming to Italy, except somebody used some stock footage from Slovenia. (laughs) Yeah, boy. It's part of a $9 million campaign um, produced uh, by a company in Italy to promote tourism to Italy. Uh, They used footage of people in Slovenia drinking Slovenian wine. (laughs) Did I say Slovakia before? No, I think you had Slovenian. Okay. All right. Anyway, um, how... Boy, how would you like to be the guy who, you know, somebody comes in and says, boss, I got some really bad news. Yeah. <laughs> um, whether you're going to Slovenia, Slovakia, or Italy, uh, be sure to drink some wine. Yosemite National Park is closed, Tom, uh, because of the snow melt. This is amazing. Uh, I left town, and you all's temperatures shot up to, like, 90-plus degrees, and mm-hmm. so I decided to come back and cool it off a little next week. There you go. Um but Yosemite, yeah, the Merced River runs through the park, and um, so the park is shut down as of Friday night. Uh, the closure is set to continue through at least May the 3rd, but possibly longer. Now, we're going to see some some cooler weather this week, so that may help with the snow melt, not only in Yosemite, but a lot of other places. Um, we'll bring the river above flood stage levels. The areas effect- affected by closures extend east of El Capitan. So basically, it means that all of the really cool places, Yosemite Valley Lodge, the Awani, uh, Upper and Lower, uh, Yosemite Falls, all much of that area will be inaccessible to visitors. If you had reservations, the Park Service says that you will be automatically refunded. Um, however, that doesn't mean that you'll get new reservations. So you might, if, if you are somebody who is scheduled to go to Yosemite, this is generally a very beautiful time to go to the park. But it's going to be hit and miss for the next week or so. Maybe consider rescheduling your visit for the fall if you can't get something for the summer or if you're thinking about going to Yosemite and this has shut you out. Um, Fall in Yosemite is a beautiful time. The waterfalls won't be quite as abundant, but the fall foliage generally kind of offsets. uh, You gain one and lose the other. Passport Online has reported record consumer activity. Rich Tomaselli from Travel Pulse tells us, that um, tra- Passport Online, the travel agency support website, uh, is showing that record traffic numbers and click-through rates for the first quarter of this year. So what that tells us is that, because this is mostly has to do with international travel, uh, you don't need a passport to go anywhere in the United States if you're a U.S. citizen. So it tells us that folks in the United States are strongly considering um, international travel this year. And I can tell you, um, based on uh, reservations here at Sports Leisure Vacations, that every time we put something international um, out to our travelers, mm-hmm. it sells generally pretty quickly. All right. So it's so folks who are going internationally, there are more of them this year. Um, we have friends at the Remember a Vet, the Wreath Project that we talk about every year around Christmas time. Um, they are the folks who place uh, bows on all of the graves down at our military cemetery near Vacaville. Um, They spend the entire year fundraising, 
and really good folks who work really hard to make this happen. They have a golf tournament every year. Um, this year it's on Friday, June the 2nd. And then they, they have their schedule out for the year about when they'll be in December, when they'll be doing their work and stuff like that. But if you're a golfer, if you would like, you can participate in their golf tournament. It's Friday, June the 2nd. If you go to TravelGuysRadio.com, you can find uh, information. It's a shotgun start at 8 o'clock in the morning. Includes a barbecue lunch. And uh, the only thing they say is that it does fill up every year, and there's a limited number of slots. So if you participated in the past or you would like to participate now, it's the Remember a Vet 7th Annual Golf Tournament, Friday, June the 7th. Go to TravelGuysRadio.com, and you can find a link that will get you registered to support that most awesome work that the folks at Remember a Vet do. And that's your travel news for today. We're going to be talking about... uh Flight attendants and uh, attitudes and attitudes of passengers. Mark, uh, why don't you pick up right here? I I witnessed a couple things last night. I returned home uh, from Oklahoma City last night, uh, the end of the first leg of our Route 66 tour, and which we'll talk about a little bit uh, later on in the program, uh, and flew southwest to Phoenix and connected. And the flight from Phoenix to Sacramento, you know, Tom, people – you you see these disputes about between passengers and flight attendants, and sometimes the passengers say, you know, well the flight attendant had an attitude, and um, they were you know they were looking for a fight, and they you know picked on me, and woe is me, I didn't do anything wrong, and I just saw a couple examples of things last night that remind me that the flight attendant's job is not all that easy, and people had you alluded in the headlines games people play with flight attendants. I saw two great examples last night. Boarding a plane in Phoenix, lady, a couple of of uh, people ahead of me, clearly has three carry-on items. She has a full-size roller bag to go in the overhead. Mm-hmm. Plus, she has another uh, valise kind of case, and she's got a backpack. So, and none of these three items are small. So she positions them on her rollerboard bag so that she can throw her jacket over it so that as she gets on the plane, mm-hmm. um, perhaps the flight attendant's not paying attention at the front of the plane and doesn't notice or doesn't look carefully, and the lady gets on with three planes. Keep in mind, this is a full plane. They've already told us that. So space in the overheads is going to be hard to come by. And so this leg- lady is going to be a space hog. There is no question about that because where is she going to put the stuff? She might put one thing under her seat. But so anyway, she gets on the flight attendant says, excuse me, ma'am, but um, we just we, we only two. I can hear all this. Only two carry ons. The lady says, well, I only have two carry ons. The ma'am, the little flight attendant says, uh, ma'am, could you move your jacket for me? And the lady says, why do I have to move my jacket? And of course, well, she's been busted. So she's defensive because right. now she's been caught. Mm-hmm. And so eventually the flight attendant says, well, ma'am, uh, you've got more than two carry ons. No, I don't. Well. You clearly do. And so finally she moves the jacket, and clearly she has three carry-ons. So mm-hmm. we all have to wait in the jetway while they have while the passenger has this discussion. She's not going to win. She doesn't win, ultimately. She has to go back to the desk and check one of her three items. Mm-hmm. So And then she gets back on the plane, and when she comes on the plane, she makes a point of bad-mouthing the flight attendant all the way down the aisle. Lady was just doing her job. Second item. I get on the plane, and uh, center. We're, we're down to center seats. The last few people are getting on. Lady gets on and sits down next to me, and she's got a, a pet carrier. And as soon as she sits down, she opens the pet carrier up and takes out 
um, half a pet. She has a chihuahua. <laughs> and um, so, um, but they're, so they're, they're full. So they're, they're full pets. They're just half size, half size or eight. Um, so I, I and and just full disclosure here. I like pets. I like dogs. I don't have anything. There was nothing in this situation that really impacted me greatly. Mm-hmm. Um, she takes the dog out and she's now playing. You, if you take a, a pet on the plane, you have to do. Uh, you have to keep it in the carrier, right? In the so, carrier, unless it's under a service your animal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and under fully under the seat, all of that jazz. So, the flight attendants are coming back down the aisle and back and forth and buttoning up the plane and stuff like that. And she's playing this little game and where she covers up the dog with a blanket every time that she sees the flight attendant, <laughs> and eventually she gets busted <clears throat> before the plane takes off. The flight attendant comes by, sees the dog, says, "Ma'am, I told you when you got on the plane." That because apparently when she got on the plane, the carrier wasn't zipped up. Uh-huh. So she told the lady when she got on the plane that she had to zip up the carrier and had it remain zipped up and, the, you know, blah, blah, blah. So when the flight attendant comes by, the lady has already disobeyed the rule and that she was personally told about. So the flight attendant stands there while the lady gets the dog in the carrier. Well, the dog doesn't want to go in the carrier. So it takes three or four minutes. The plane at this point is all ready to go. The only thing keeping us from leaving, the only thing, is that the dog is not in the carrier. Oh, man. So eventually that gets down, and she gets it tucked under the seat enough that the flight attendant's satisfied, and she goes back to the front of the plane. The minute the flight attendant leaves, the lady takes the dog back out of the carrier. Oh, no. So, you know... I just and and people wonder why flight attendants get a little, you know, uh, are a little short tempered sometimes. Now you saying they they did take off with the dog not in the carrier, but, not in the carrier because but, you know the they, flight but by then the flight to... attendants they had gone and sat down and so forth. Exactly, and so exactly. they she snuck them out. But just out of curiosity, uh, did the uh, the dog stay out of the carrier the whole flight? Pretty much. Pretty much. Until the flight attendant, a different flight attendant, came by, and she apparently didn't know about the whole thing, but she was, you know, ma'am, you have to put the, the, the dog has to stay in its carrier the whole time. So, right. you know, we went through the same thing. She pretended to put the dog in the carrier, and the flight attendant this time wasn't as persistent and walked away, and she never even actually got the dog into the carrier. So, I, I, I well, one thing to really point out here, um, bringing on an extra carry-on, um, fighting a flight attendant over the rules about about having a pet on board. These are seemingly small things and probably don't really, ch- no matter which way they go, don't change anybody's life. But you're, the flight attendant is in charge. And if they decide that because you're not obeying the rules that you don't get to fly, they go up to the captain, say they got a problem, and the chances are 9 out of 10 that you're off the airplane. Right. Mm-hmm. Now would you like and that? And now what do you do? And and what if what if it escalates a little bit because you had a couple of beers before you got on the plane and you say something to the flight attendant you shouldn't say and now you're on a don't fly list. It can happen. It can happen. You know, uh, and I pointed. We talked about this before we we went on the air that uh, flight attendants in their nice uniforms, professionally dressed, uh, people give them a lot of back talk and and they disrespect them and and do some of the stuff that you talked about would they do the same thing if it was a uniformed officer with a firearm you know you wouldn't you wouldn't wouldn't do that at a traffic stop because you know that they are the law and you could you could get busted you could get arrested so i think because they're a flight attendant and they're they're not 
you know, an armed officer, I think we should we should respect the flight attendants the same way you would an armed officer, because they do have the same kind of power in regards to your uh, future uh, flying uh, activities moving forward. Well, and the other thing to remember, too, is that there are some other people on the plane. So last night we were we were on a flight that was headed for Sacramento. So it's not likely on a Saturday night on a flight that lands in Sacramento at 830 that anybody had a connection to someplace else. Right. They might have had someplace they needed to get to or something in a hurry. But it's not likely that they had a connection. But if that had been the first flight out of Oklahoma City and you delay the flight for five or 10 minutes or 20 minutes because you're having a fracas with a flight attendant and people miss their planes, then you've impacted everybody else's life along the way for your for your selfishness. So I just, you know, I mean, people are going to continue to do these little things. It's it's the little games that they play. But don't when you get busted, if you're playing the game with a flight attendant, with something, a, a pet, a carry on something on the plane and you get busted, you lost. So, you know, give up. I mean, that's the smart thing to do, really and truly. We're here to make you a smarter traveler. When it comes to the flight attendant, um, they're going to have the final word, whether they're right, wrong or having a bad day. They're going to have the final word. So, you know, just lighten up a little bit. And remember that a lot of us have someplace to go. So your little petty argument, you know, is, is really kind of getting in the way. Okay, Mark, let's get to it. Is inflation impacting your travel decisions this summer is the question out to people. And what uh, have you been seeing? Well, uh, we all know that inflation has hit travel more than just about any industry. And there's a re- there's two reasons for that. One is because people couldn't travel for a couple of years, there's the de- the level of demand. And the, the, the number one economic law of, of, of any land is supply and demand. So whenever there is more demand than there is supply, prices will go up. That's not unusual. When there is less demand than there is supply, prices will generally go down. Um, so we're going we're seeing high prices in the travel industry because of that. We're also seeing high prices because some people in the travel industry have said, hey, this is my chance to make the buck back that I didn't make the last couple of years. And so they have jacked up their prices, and the attitude, I'm sure, in many corporate boardrooms is, hey, if people will pay $10, I wonder if they'll pay $11. I wonder if they'll pay $12. I wonder if they'll pay $450 for this luxury hotel room. Would they pay $550? And the answer to this point, at least in the post-COVID recovery, has been, yeah, pretty much they will. Um, And so what we see now is a combination of just outright high prices mm-hmm. and inflation causing high prices and also the travel industry. When you sit in a restaurant, when you board a plane, all these things involve people. So as salaries have gone up, that certainly has impacted the cost of travel. Well, you know, uh, the industry has been struggling and struggling for for a few years now, and uh, mm-hmm. it's the only human nature. If you did survive it, is to try to find a way to make up for your losses, and so the greed factor uh, across the board falls into play in in some people's minds and some companies' minds. That, like you say, if if that room was, uh, you could get a hundred and fifty for it uh, before. Uh, how much can we get for it now? And if you if you've sold it for 
200, then it becomes 250, and it goes up until people stop saying, uh, clicking the uh, OK button. Friend of the Travel Guys, Chris Elliott, did a, uh, an interview with another travel outlet here that I've gotten a copy of. And Chris said, as he's told us on the air here, um, Chris says that, um, you know, look at that secondary destination. If you've got some place that you went to that was really cool at some point in your life and you said, I always wanted to go back there because there's nobody there, um, then that this might be the time to consider that. Instead of going to your favorite spot, regardless of the cost, um, why not sit down and list the half a dozen favorite places and then look at some pricing and say, you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. this might be four or f- fourth or fifth on my list, mm-hmm. but this would be a really cool destination. And looky here, um, when I check out pricing, it looks uh, – listen, Tom, there are some places that I go take people on tour this this last couple of years. Not very many, but a few where ho- hotel pricing is right where it should be. And then there's a whole lot where it's marginally ridiculous, and then there's a few where it's just completely off the charts. And people are start. What we're starting to see is the are off the charts places. People are starting to wake up and smell the coffee and say, you know what? Uh, maybe not so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I'll wait and see if the prices come down at some point in time. And listen, if enough people do that later in the summer, you may see some bargains for some of these places. Right. Well, relatively speaking, I mean, not 2019 prices, but not 2023 prices either, maybe something in the middle. So this really, if you're still thinking about where to go this year or you're you're looking at pricing and saying, wow, that's just the place we really would like to take the family, but it's ridiculous. Um, think about some of these secondary places. Do your homework, as we're always telling folks here on the Travel Guys. Do a little research and pick out some place that's always been on your go-to list, you know, your bucket list. But someplace, a perfect example is where I just came back from, uh, Route 66. It's and, and the other thing is it's early in the season. So we were out there, and there wasn't a whole lot of people out on the old highway because mm-hmm. it's April. So think about where you're going. If you have places that are normally really hot places in the winter but not so much in the summer, maybe that's a place to go. Or think about maybe your summer vacation becomes your fall vacation. Lots of destinations have beautiful fall colors. And a lot less people at that time of the year. And prices start to come down. Also, if you look at the cusp of the season, like changing from fall to winter, oftentimes, and that happens on the calendar depending on the destination, but oftentimes that's where value comes in. The first couple of weeks of what is considered winter season or the last couple of weeks of what is considered fall season can sometimes be a serious discount to something that only a few weeks beforehand. So if you have some flexibility... And you're willing to wear a coat in mm-hmm. the destination where you went to the swimming pool the last time you were there, <laughs> then there still are some deals and bargains to be had. But you you need to perhaps broaden your horizons a little bit and consider the possibility of, you know, maybe staying outside of the national park or perhaps not even going to the national park area, picking someplace like the old highway that we just traveled on that you've oh someplace you've always wanted to go or someplace you've always wanted to be middle of the country away from oceans away from you know resorts stuff like that um those maybe it's maybe it's the year that you visit the relatives maybe it's the year that you find out that humidity in st louis in the summertime really is terrible but um you may find that your vacation costs you a lot less money inflation yes 
Greed, yes. But uh, now it's time to, now that you've polished off those couple places last year that you couldn't get to during COVID, now it's time to, you know, use your noggin and do some homework and pick out a destination or two that maybe doesn't have that everybody and their uncle isn't going to. Great advice. And one other point that Mark has uh, taught me over the years is that uh, if, if you go at the early part of the season instead of in the, at the late part of a season of a of a, a destination that's uh, that's very popular. But if you go if you go early and the people that are working the hotels and the restaurants and the event centers, they're in a much better mood because their season is just beginning. They're not mm-hmm. worn down by the tens of thousands of people that have uh, that they have been dealing with and have been beating them up for an entire season. And you get there towards the end of the season and they're not they're not as happy to see you mm-hmm. as they are at the beginning of a, of a season. So. Try to try to get there at the at the at the early the what's it called the cusp the front yeah the springtime is a is a great time to go and for destinations that are reversed you know if you were traveling internationally and going down to the other half of the planet then you might flip the seasons and find that winter down there um, would be a would be a good time to visit just as summer was so anyway it's it's all about homework and you know and being a smarter traveler. All right, off onto the historic Route 66 Highway with Mark Hoffman. If you ever plan to motor west, travel my way, take the highway, that's the best. Get your kicks on Route 66. Ah, the old Bobby Troop tune. Uh, The theme for Route 66. We, a bunch, we, I say, a bunch of... Sacramento Travelers and I spent uh, 10 days on the old highway. We talked a little bit about this last Sunday as we had gone from Chicago down to Springfield, the first couple hundred miles on the route. Uh, Saturday evening, Saturday afternoon, I guess, we flew home from Oklahoma City. Route 66, the old highway, which was founded in 1926, runs from Chicago to Los Angeles. It's about 2,400 miles. Most of it is still in existence uh, along the interstate or off the interstate just a little bit. Those are the best stretches where you can get back off the highway. Route 66 went through all the towns and villages along the way and big cities, whereas the interstate skirts those towns and cities because it's more convenient and takes less time and you can get off the freeway and grab a bite and get some gas and keep going. You don't have to go into the little towns. If you're just joining us, this is Mark and Tom. We are the Travel and Entertainment Guys, and we're taking a little trip on Route 66 with Mark. Uh, Mark, when you are there signs along the big highways that say original Route 66 go that that exit? How much? No, no, not necessarily. Occasionally, but you'll find on on the routes on Route 66 itself, it's pretty well marked. Um, Some states are better than others. Oklahoma is probably the best state at marking turns and letting you know when you're on the old highway. And there are several different alignments of the highway. There, There was originally from like 26 to 30, the road went this way. And then the traffic got so bad that 
the first bypass was created. Instead of going down the main street of town, the road jogged over four blocks because that was the only way that, that people in downtown could have a life. The traffic got so bad on this road because there were very few in the late 20s and the 30s. Of course, the country was in a recession in the early 30s, but still, people who had automobiles, there were very few paved good roads. So when Route 66 came along, it was an opportunity, just like today, you've got a nice fancy car, you know, you want to get out on the road with it, you want to gun the engine a little bit and see what it can do. Well, that's what people did back in those days also, and so Route 66 offered them that opportunity to be able to do some fun things that they hadn't done before. We Last Sunday, last Sunday Tom, just a week ago, uh, we stopped in at uh, Rich Henry's Rabbit Ranch in uh, in Illinois. Um, I've told that story on the air before, the man who who got his daughter two rabbits and uh, didn't make sure that they were the same sex. And uh, so then he had multiple rabbits and daughter was in college. She grew up and and went went off to have a life. And dad, who was a real estate title guy, um, just kept the rabbits. And you go to his title company. Rich was really nice. He came out and talked to us on a Sunday, even though, you know, Sunday isn't a day that he does any business. Along the side of his title company building is a rabbit cemetery. Oh, my. Where about a dozen of the rabbits are buried who have, over the course of this whole process um, of him owning the rabbits, and he still has quite a few of them, and he's a really nice guy. And so if you're out on Route 66 uh, in central Illinois, make sure that you stop by Henry's Rabbit Ranch because now, it's someplace that you'll really enjoy. Now, is this the place that just he just has him and his rabbit there? Is this yeah. the one that has the Volkswagen Rabbit automobiles? Yes. Uh, turn- yeah, he, he decided to get, on the advice of a friend or a relative, I forget which, um, decided to get some some carcasses of old VW rabbits, and they are spread around the property too. So it's it's an oddity. It's something that you would never see anywhere else. It's you know the old highway Route sixty six isn't about flashing lights and um, big attractions. Back in their day, some of them were big attractions. Um, Route sixty six is for the person who who wants to take a step back in time, and it's also about meeting people. I mean, if you the only way there's only one bridge over the Mississippi River that you can that no cars can cross that you can walk across. It's in St. Louis called the Chain of Rocks Bridge. And most of our folks, indeed, it's a better part of a mile. Um, but you can walk across a no traffic bridge over the Mississippi River. Where else can well, you do that? And back. yeah, I mean, it's kind of cool. You can go to Jesse James country, as we did, and uh, learn about the caves and the like that he uh that he hit out in we had dinner one night at one of the original steak and shakes which is the in and out burger of the midwest um so that would that's something def- you definitely want to make a, a, a stop there there's another place in central missouri that if you make a route 66 journey or even if you're visiting in st louis and you decide one day you want to travel a little bit of the old highway it's called uranus Mm-hmm. Um, some people would pronounce that Uranus, which is the way you pronounce the planet. In the little settlement, they pronounce it Uranus. Um, if you stop and think for a minute, there are a whole lot of fun things that you could do with the pronunciation of that word and other things. They sell a lot of fudge at the <laughs> gift shop in Uranus. And um, they are perfectly willing to pack it for you. 
I'm trying not to get too graphic here on something that will get us in trouble, but you put all the words together yourself and you can figure all of this out. Anyway, it's uh, anytime somebody comes in the door to this massive gift shop and emporium, um, all of the employees in the place shout out in unison, welcome to Uranus. That's so great. <laughs> it, it is. It, it, it is so much fun, and it drives the Bible Belt people in central Missouri crazy. But um, it's, you know, it, 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 it to us as visitors, it's pretty harmless. We stopped and visited uh, Red Oak, which is where a man who had been gone for a long time came back to central Oklahoma and found that his hometown was in ruin. It basically had become a ghost town. So there were still a few buildings that were intact, and he bought them up and then painstakingly moved them about 20 miles and created, it's called Red Oak. So now he has Red Oak 2, and the man has passed on now, but he many of these buildings that he brought from his original hometown have created kind of a, a new town. And before he passed, he let some people move in and occupy and, and, and build homes. So now... He's got kind of this little village, and people will take care of it, even though he's not around anymore. So, I mean, how cool is that? We went to Miami. <laughs> Never pronounce it Miami. That's the way it's spelled, but it's Miami after a Native American tribe in Oklahoma, and had dinner on stage at the Coleman Theater, which is this. Lots of of towns have these. Some are lucky enough to have preserved them or had somebody who gave them a lot of money to help. This is what happened in Miami. The Coleman Theater was preserved, and we got to have dinner on the stage. And, oh, they have this beautiful chandelier. Think of the chandelier that mm-hmm. fell in Phantom. Um, they have this gorgeous chandelier that hangs in the theater. And these people are so proud in all of these towns of the places that – the little places that they've saved or that they've brought back. Or um, it really is a, a significant, uh, significant opportunity to be out there on the old highway and meet these folks – um, we met uh, cars. We stopped at a place called Cars on the Route in Galena, Kansas, where people are uh, a bunch of ladies bought an old service station and fixed it up. And uh, uh, you you can find Tomater there. That's where Tomater uh, from, is. Yes, from Cars. Yes, yes. The original they the folks from Cars came out on the route, and many of the things from along the route are. Takeoffs. If you watch the movie Cars, a lot of those made-up places, Radiator Springs is an actual place, not called Radiator Springs, but an actual place on Route 66. The car Sally um, is the lady who owns the Rock Cafe in Stroud. Uh, when they came there and met her, they decided that that was the perfect personality. So the movie Cars has a lot of Route 66 in it. Um, one thing it doesn't have is in the movie is Mickey Mantle was born and well, not born, but was raised in Commerce, Oklahoma, which is one of the towns on Route 66. And indeed, um, his his boyhood home is there. You can drive by. It's a great photo op. And the high school team in Commerce plays at none other than Mickey Mantle Field. So that's to me a real throwback in Tulsa. If you're looking for a place to stay in Tulsa, even if you're just there on business sometime, consider the Mayo Hotel, M-A-Y-O. It's a historic old hotel. It fell into ruin. It was empty for 30 years. And someone bought it and restored it to its original grandeur in downtown Tulsa. And it's a beautiful place to, to stay. 
dare I say they could they could use opening back up their restaurant there. But what a remarkable spot. So you don't have to be on the old highway to visit some of these places. And you don't have to have 10 days like we had to cover half of it. Uh, maybe if you've only got part of a day, um, do a little homework and, and have an opportunity. Um Quickly here, a couple of other uh, of other things I want to just talk about on the um, old highway in Tulsa. This is not directly related to the old highway, but there was a very affluent black community in Tulsa in the late 1800s, early 1900s. Uh, it met with disaster. It was called Black Wall Street. There was a terrible tragedy there. A lot of people lost their lives. A lot of property was destroyed. You should go to Tulsa and learn that story. You should go to the Rock Cafe in Stroud um, and and have lunch there like we did in an original Rock Cafe. Um, those are just some of the – there's a round barn out there that you can stop and take a picture of and learn the stories of why were the browns – why were the barns round in some places. And then that's just one minute down the road from the round barn is Pop's where you can find just about any kind of soda pop that's ever been made in your entire life. Um, Our journey concluded in Oklahoma City. We will pick up in the fall and go Oklahoma City to Santa Monica. If you have an interest, there are still a few seats left. Uh, Sportsleisure.com, you can find out about it. But if you are going on your own, get yourself a guidebook. doesn't matter how old it is because most of the things on the old highway are the same as they were. So get yourself a guidebook and head out on Old Route 66 or the Lincoln Highway or the Yellowstone Trail or any other old road. But remember to have enough time to be able to take your time and stop and meet the people and really and take some pictures and really get to know the people and the places along the way. That's spectacular. Mark, we have a little uh, little more than a minute left. Let's a uh, couple of quick questions from old tomboy here. Uh, so if you're you, you, the best bet to do is to take Route 66 in two bites rather than try to drive it all at one time. Oh, at least at least it, it to, to do it properly two or three weeks. And some people say, you know, it's a journey by car. We went on a tour bus. Some people would never step on a tour bus for 10 days. But we got to see and do all kinds of things that you might not get to see and do if you were out there traveling by yourself. Wow, that was fun. I'm exhausted. I need a nap. <laughs> Hey, friends, thanks for coming along with uh, today's uh, episode of the uh, Travel and Entertainment Guys. Don't forget information and more. Make you a smarter traveler at TravelGuysRadio.com. Remember, dance like nobody's watching, and I'll be back next week to talk to you a little bit about ghost towns in Nevada. Outstanding. Stay well, my friends. See you next week here on the Travel Guys.